it's pretty hard not to notice that Christmas is coming. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. While many Americans complain that Christmas is becoming just too commercial here in the United States, some of our European friends are establishing no Santa zones. And while many of us measure the season in shopping days, Europeans tinsel the season with their own special holidays, from St. Nicholas Day to Epiphany. Today on Travel with Rick Steves, we'll hear how the holidays are celebrated in Madrid and Paris, Holland and Hungary, Scotland and Sicily, and even in warm and summery Australia. However you say Merry Christmas, Frohe Kerstfeest and a gelukkig new year. Buon Natale. Feliz Navidad. Joyeux Noël. Joyeux Noël. What a best big man for Glasgow. Have a happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. You'll like what you get in the hour ahead on Travel with Rick Steves. We're having a Christmas party, international style today, on Travel with Rick Steves. I'm Rick Steves, and I've invited some of my friends from Europe and beyond to join us and tell us how they celebrate their Christmas holidays. We'll hear who brings the gifts and how children butter them up. And we'll imagine the fanciful characters that inhabit holiday dreams and the special foods that bring so much of that Christmas joy. Let's look at how the holidays are celebrated in Madrid and Paris, Amsterdam, Edinburgh, and Budapest, in Sicily, and even down under in Australia. Thanks for joining us as we celebrate an international Christmas on Travel with Rick Steves. I'm Rick Steves. I'm in a Christmas mood. It's holiday time, and we're exploring and celebrating the different ways people celebrate Christmas. I'm joined by Federico Garcia Barroso. Federico Garcia Barroso. It sounds like Spain to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Federico. Hello. How are you? Good. Christmas time in Spain. Mm. You're five years old. Little boy. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. What just happened? What's going to happen? I'm what? happy. I'm expecting everything. <laughs> tell me. Take me there. I can tell you that in Spain, children in Spain, we believe in, in two things. Santa Claus, that we call him Papa Noel. And then we believe also in the three wise men or the three magic kings, you know. We have two choices, and we take both, you see. Actually, that's what we do. Santa, we call him Papa Noel in Spanish, and he comes every Christmas Eve, and the three magic kings, they come the fifth, the night of the 5th of January. Actually, the 6th of January is the last, officially the last Christmas day in Spain. Okay, so that's Epiphany. Yeah. And all over Europe, Epiphany is a big deal. January 6th is mm. really part of the... Um, Gift-giving season for Christmas. Exactly. Big deal for the kids and big mm-hmm. deal on the, on the Christian calendar. Uh, let's talk Christmas Eve here. Papa Noel, Father Christmas. Mm-hmm. What's he look like? Is he a, a little Spanish guy or what? No, actually, he's, 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 he's Santa Claus. and He's a, he's a big he's, fat guy with a big yeah, beard. He's an Anglo-Saxon tradition he's that we imported. He's an Anglo-Saxon yeah. guy. Okay. <laughs> we know someone told us that he lives in Lapland, you know, there in Scandinavia, in, in Finland, maybe yeah. in Rovaniemi, I think, if I'm not wrong. And then he comes to Spain, of course. Well, the funny thing about this is that there are some people in Holland, in the Netherlands, that they think that Santa Claus is Spanish, by the way. And the real story says that he was Turkish, you know. Anyway, the thing that all children, we are, we were <laughs> waiting for the presents, you know, the Christmas Eve, I mean. It's a beautiful tradition in Spain. It's related about religion, of course, also. And we, we have traditions that we keep, I mean, for ages. And so the family gets together, goes to church? Well, yeah, yeah. Would it be Christmas Eve midnight or the next morning or what? The next morning, the next morning, okay. you see. But nowadays, uh, Christmas is just a family, family celebration. I can tell you honestly that nowadays in Spain, you know, we are supposed to be quite Catholic, but, but I don't see the churches, uh, plenty of people, honestly. But uh, still, we keep the traditions of a family, family festival. We really enjoy that. It's uh, actually, nowadays I'm 36 and I still, every Christmas time, I join my family, my big, big family, aunts, cousins, grandfathers, grandmothers, and we are 20-something and we all, Christmas, we are together. Actually, we are together Christmas Eve for dinner, Christmas Day for lunch, New Year's Eve for dinner, and also New Year's Day for lunch. Wow, that's a lot of family. A lot of family, yeah. Extended family. Extended family. People you don't see very often? In my case, I do. I do. And I'm quite happy about that. That's good. Mm-hmm. What is the typical big meal, the, the fanciest meal for Christmas? What would you eat? It depends on the region of Spain where you are. Castile. Um, you're from Madrid. So in yeah. Castile, what would you eat? In Castile, we, we really like to eat um, suckling pig. 
Suckling pig, little and baby pig. Yeah. All it ever ate was mother's milk. Yeah. <laughs> Tender. Tender, exactly. And also uh, roasted baby lamb also. Suckling mm-hmm. baby lamb. Yeah. And also fish, believe it or not. Uh, we have no sea in Madrid, but we don't really care about that. We <laughs> eat fish, <laughs> good fish. It became a tradition from the 1800s to eat fish in Madrid. And you know something, many restaurants nowadays, they put a slide of lemon and fish, you know, just because in the 1800s, the fish took time to go from the Ooh. coast to Madrid and the lemon avoided smell. Kept the smell see? down of the rotten fish. Exactly. Merry you know? Christmas. And nowadays we eat fish with a little bit of lemon. <laughs> do you decorate your house uh, for Christmas yes, anyway? Yes, we do. How would that be? We do. Nowadays, I think that there is a kind of, of uh, <laughs> globalization in many ways, even if we talk about the decoration of Christmas, you know, and it is quite similar. In, in, in many Mediterranean countries, we do basically the same thing. We put the nativity scene mm-hmm. and also the tree and uh, all the flowers and the beautiful things. Uh, uh, that's what we basically do in, in every house in, in Spain for Christmas, especially when you have children. Does mistletoe work in Spain? Who? Mistletoe. Do you know what that is? No. It's a little uh, green uh, branch with berries on it, and if it's over your head, you can kiss somebody. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. You don't know mistletoe in Spain? <laughs> no. Oh, that's too bad. What's unique in Spain, would you say, about the Christmas celebration? Is there anything uh, mm-hmm. different? Anything different? Well, anything. It sounds like you've just imported the best of the other countries. Yeah. Something specific about Spain, something about specific about Christmas. Not, not really. Not okay, family really. time. Would there be more gifts on Epiphany? January 5th? Uh, People are more traditional about that, just because the Epiphany... Uh, it's the we, wise men, the three wise men yeah, brought we, the gifts to baby Jesus, exactly. and the children get the gifts too. And uh, you know, this works a lot in many Mediterranean and Latin American countries. We we have the feeling, maybe we are wrong, but we have the feeling that it's a much more Latin tradition. Well, I think it is, because it is. where I grew up in, in Northern Europe, I don't think Epiphany is that big a deal. Uh-huh. But, but January 6th, that marks the yeah. end of the holiday season in Spain, like most of the Mediterranean world. Exactly. I hope you have a beautiful Christmas time with Thank your family. You. Thank you very much. Garcia Barroso. Thank oh. you. And how do you say Merry Christmas in Spanish? Feliz Navidad. I think everybody knows that one. Feliz Navidad. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're getting all excited about Christmas. And let's pretend we're in Budapest in Hungary. I've got with me Itelka and Levante, two guides from Budapest, and... What's going on in Hungary now? If you're a five-year-old kid and you just had a great Christmas evening, you're going to bed, and what's going to happen? What happened today? What happens tonight? And what happens in the morning? Oh, very exciting. I'm sure that I'm waiting for the little Jesus, because in Hungary, not the Santa Claus is bringing the Christmas tree. It is the little Jesus task. And it is actually in the afternoon, and my parents are decorating the Christmas tree, and at about five or six o'clock, when I wake up, if I am a little kid, I go into the living room and I see the decorated Christmas tree. Presents are wrapped beautifully under the Christmas tree. And of course, we open it and we have a wonderful, big, traditional Hungarian dinner on Christmas Eve. It's important on the 24th of uh, December. After the dinner, we go to the church for the midnight service. So that's all on the 24th? Uh, that's all on the 24th, yes. And, and the, the tree is decorated uh, on secretly the from you, and then the children are brought in to see the tree? Yeah. Wow. And then it's the baby Jesus or a little boy Jesus, or who brings the gifts? We say that little Jesus brings the gifts and the Christmas tree because we have got Santa Claus, but the Santa Claus is coming on the 6th of December. On St. So, Nicholas Day. On St. Nicholas Day, yes. So, you know, Hungarian people love the parties, and there's always a reason to celebrate something. So we celebrate on a separate day the Santa Claus. Levante, is that your experience? Yes, it is. I was just giggling. I thought it brings back wonderful <laughs> memories of me and my brother having to take walks in the afternoon so we won't see the Christmas tree being decorated because the angels or Jesus will bring the tree. Uh, decorated as is. Wow. So you don't see the tree. The tree is somehow, no matter how small your apartment, is hidden somewhere. And then your parents decorate it while you're either taking a nap or a walk or whatever. And then when you get back, uh, you have just missed Jesus, unfortunately, or uh, the angel. And the tree is decorated and the, and the gifts are all there. <laughs> yeah. After a few years, a child will see a pattern and you'll enjoy taking that walk out. Correct. Imagine. Sure, I'll yeah. get out of the house. Absolutely. I'll be back in a little while. <laughs> Make it good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then you have a big family dinner. 
Yes, a really big family dinner. On Christmas Eve, and what would traditionally that be? What would you be eating? Definitely in my family and in most of the families, fish soup. Then fish soup. Fish soup, yes. Uh, stuffed cabbage, for example, different kinds of mm-hmm. uh, meats. Uh, turkey is becoming popular. Traditionally, a uh, freshwater fish yeah. soup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like carp. Yes. Yeah, and carp. that is carp, yeah. And I know uh, you do not like the carp, but we love the kind of carp. You got a good carp in Hungary. And then uh, what else would uh, the sweets and the drinks? Sweets, it's very special and always uh, homemade poppy seed or walnut roll should be on the table. What I'd like to add too is Christmas in Hungary is much like Thanksgiving in the U.S., meaning everything shuts down. It's it's really a, a very quiet time. All businesses are closed for two, three days. It really is just focusing on family. And if you're a religious family, then also, you know, uh, going to church and so on. Mm -hmm. And the the rituals and the festivities are on the 24th. And then the 25th would be just a day for family to be together. Yes, correct. Or visiting uh, very close relatives. And children playing with the little toys that Jesus brought them. Yes, 25th and 26th uh, family days. And in our family, on the 25th or on the 26th, when we are, everybody is together, definitely we play games. Board games is a must-do event at now Christmas. That, now, that sounds like uh, what we'd call a Norman Rockwell sort of image. Yes, it uh, is a Norman Rockwell image, yes. But is it is it eroding today in this fast-paced modern world, or is there a movement in Hungary to keep the magic of Christmas this way? To keep the magic. I think everybody wants to keep it. For their kids' sake, grandkids' sake. And you kids get two great gift days, the 6th and the 24th. Yeah. That's right. And one more thing about the 6th. Every kids, even today, polish their shoes on the 6th and put either into the window or in front of the door because Santa Claus will put the present into the clean shoes. You have to clean your shoes. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Not stockings. You actually put shoes yeah, out. Yeah, shoes. That's right. And what a wonderful boy who has big feet. <laughs> oh, he gets a lot of presents. <laughs> All right. Hey, is there any children's songs that are classic Christmas songs that, that the kids would sing around Christmas time? There is. What would that be? Kishkoracsony, Nagykoracsony. Okay, for example, Kishkoracsony, Nagykoracsony. Can we sing? Sure. Kishkoracsony, Nagykoracsony, kisültem már a kolácsom, ha kisült már ide véle, ha degyem meg melegében, jaj, de szép a karácsonyfa, ragyog rajta a sok gyertya, itt egy lámpa, ott egy alma, jaj, de szép a karácsonyfa. Wow. Now I won't ask you to translate that literally, but what's going on? What 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 is the lyrics? It's about little Christmas, the great Christmas, uh, basically how lovely everything is and look at all the all the gifts and toys. The family's and the here, the tree yeah. is decorated, yeah. everybody's together. Picture. Isn't it great to be alive? And is the poppy seed roll done or not? <laughs> are the poppy seeds done and are my shoes polished enough That's to get right. the good gifts? Merry Christmas. Thank you for sharing a little Merry bit Christmas of Hungarian Christmas. Thank you and Merry Christmas to you. Boldog karácsonyt. Merry Christmas. Our fun-loving Sicilian friends Tommaso and Alfio join us in a little bit to tell us about the holidays in Sicily, where Mama works very hard to maintain the family traditions. We'll also check in with friends from Amsterdam, Paris, Scotland, and Australia as we celebrate an international Christmas. It's all just ahead on Travel with Rick Steves. When Santa Claus travels, it's often with an alias. He's Père Noël, Babbo Natale, Sinterklaas, even Sammy Claus. It's fun to see how others celebrate the holidays, whether it's sacred traditions or just good children's fun. 
Thanks for joining us as we explore Christmas around the world today on Travel with Rick Steves. Christmas is almost here, and we're exploring different cultures' ways of celebrating the holidays. And I have with me Elizabeth van Hest from the Netherlands. Thank you. They said I should go on radio. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) I'd love to hear what Christmas is like in your memory. Let's pretend you're a five-year-old girl in a small town in the Netherlands. And it's Christmas Eve. What what did you just do? What's happening tonight? And what happens tomorrow? Oh, well, you see, for us, Christmas was really a family feast. Because probably, you know, in the Netherlands originally, we never had gifts at uh, Christmas. It was the real religious holiday and a family holiday. And, uh, well, in my case, I remember uh, my mother started to prepare the house to decorate it. And she had little planks and we put moss on it with a wire, and then we put all kind of green leaves like holly and other uh, little objects to decorate the house, and we fixed it on the wall, and we put it on the table, and then, of course, we made the wreath for the front door, and then you were hoping it would uh, be snowing on the right day, because I remember the conifer, the big tree in our garden when there was snow on it and my father would put lights. That was magic. And then just before Christmas, uh, my mother came up with the real Christmas tree. And you know, when I was really very young, we had real candles uh, with the clippings. Real candles. Real candles under the tree inside the house. Yes. And there was a white sheet on the floor to protect the floor. And then there was a basket with water in case the uh, tree would be set on fire. So it was only allowed to light the candles when Daddy and Mommy were there. And we hardly moved, of course, because there could be a fire. But it was magic to see all these flames burning And then we got a a beautiful dog, and it was too dangerous, so we had to put electric lights. But it was still very nice. Now, you see, I was living in a small village, very close to Kokonov. I think everybody knows that, because that's the flower garden. My mother was a singer, and so uh, at Christmas Eve, there was um, mass in church. Well, we don't call it mass, because we were Protestants, of course. And that was exciting because my mother, she sang on the top in the church next to the organ. Once I was allowed to join her, I was sitting on the top in the church, looking underneath the curtain, and I saw the community in the church. And then I got so anxious because I was afraid my mother would make a mistake singing the wrong song or the wrong text. And then after the service, he went home and there was nothing, just a little thing, nice thing to eat, and he went to bed. And the next day we would have relatives coming for a nice meal. And as far as I remember, the real dish was turkey. Like you on Thanksgiving Day, we say Christmas turkey. And I remember my mother was very uh, happy because she succeeded her turkey with the chestnut inside. And then I also remember that at the end of the meal, we had nice crystal plates we never used. But on Christmas, it was put on the table and my father went to a very good shop to buy uh, very special chocolates in the shape of mushrooms and the Smarties, you know. Because it was quite a long time ago, we didn't eat Smarties as children. That is now very common, but it was very exciting. Well, that was all for Christmas. In the Netherlands, you have two days, the 25th and the 26th of December. So you have two days off, and that is really for Christmas. So the church service for Christmas was on the 24th in the evening? As far as I remember, yes, because I remember I went at night. Yeah. I even remember that once we had Uncle Bernard and Auntie Lillian from Eastbourne having a Christmas with us because my parents traveled a lot and met a lot of people and invited them. Now, for a little child, is there a Santa Claus figure that brings the gifts? Well, or? that's it, because Christmas is without presents, because our Santa Claus is called Sinterklaas, and he has his birthday on the 6th of December. So that is the real exciting feast for the gifts. Ah. And I 
really, I would be willing to set up an association to save that celebration because I think it's the most beautiful feast in the world. Why? Well, first of all, as a child, you believe in Sinterklaas. He is bishop coming from Spain on a big ship with his assistants who are black Peters. They are funnily dressed and they are doing funny things, acrobats. They are a little bit naughty and you are scared of him because he is the one who could eventually put you in the sack if you hadn't been a nice child that year. Wow. Because Sinterklaas is keeping a book and he's writing in the book if you were good or bad. So... It is very well organized in the Netherlands because about three weeks before the 6th of December, which is his birthday, he officially arrived on the big ship in Amsterdam. And this is transmitted on television. So you are looking at it because you know once he's in the country, your parents will allow you to put your little shoe at the chimney. Of course, many people had central heating, a little problem, but you find a solution. <laughs> you put your shoe in front of the door or whatever. Anyway, some problems for a child to believe in St. Nicholas because one hour later, after you have seen him arriving on television in Amsterdam, he's arriving in your village as well. And so you say to your mother, how is that possible? So then she usually explains you, well, there is the real one and he has assistance because, you know, there are so many children like you. The real one cannot cope with all that. So to review, in the Netherlands, Christmas Eve, 24th, 25th, 26th, that's the family time and the religious time. Yes. And St. Nicholas Day, December 6th, is yes. the big gift-giving yes. festival that the children are very excited about. And the Dutch St. Nicholas is Sinterklaas. Yeah, we call him Sinterklaas. Sinterklaas. And that comes from St. Nicholas. Oh, and he sails on a boat from Spain with his yes. uh, acrobatic, uh, colorful uh, Black Peter yes. partners. Yes, And it's a naughty or nice thing. Yes. So if the kids are naughty, what happens? Oh, they put you in the sack and they bring you to Spain. They put you in a sack and take you to Spain. <laughs> and you're so scared. <laughs> so even if you know that you weren't to bed, when your mother or your father brings you to St. Nicholas, because, of course, like Santa Claus, you find them in uh, big department stores right. and you can make an appointment. And I remember, because I have still a picture of myself and my brother, I was so brave that I dared to sit on St. Nicholas knees, mm. but most of the children start to cry. They get very uh, upset. But you see this magic souvenir uh, of something you believe in. Uh, it's so beautiful. Souvenir uh, in the sense of a good memory, yes. a warm memory. Yes. I'm talking with Elizabeth van Helst from the Netherlands. And Elizabeth, is there a song that the children uh, sing most happily for this either Sinterklaas? Yes. Or what's the happiest children's song that you remember? There are a few very long ones, very beautiful ones. Sing but me just see, a quick verse of a one. A quick you know. one is Sinterklaas kapuntje, gooi wat in mijn schoentje, gooi wat in mijn laarsje, dank u Sinterklaasje. And you sing that in the evening when your parents allow you to put your shoe and what for did just that a mean? little what, present. What, what is translation? Sinterklaas kapuntje, gooi wat in mijn schoentje, please Sinterklaas, draw something in my shoe. Sinterklaas kapuntje, gooi wat in mijn schoentje, gooi wat in mijn laarsje, dank u Sinterklaasje. Please throw something in my little boot. Thank you, Sint Nicolaas. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for taking us to the Netherlands in this holiday season. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas. Thank you very much, Merry Christmas. In Dutch, how do you say Merry Christmas? Vrolijk kerstfeest en een gelukkig nieuwjaar. Dank u wel. Alstublieft. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves, and we're exploring the holidays in different cultures. I'm joined now by Tommaso Pante and Alfio Di Mauro from Sicily. Thanks for joining me, Tommaso and Alfio. Thank Thanks. you, Rick. Now, it's Christmas time, and all of America is excited about the holidays, and every country celebrates the holidays differently. How is Sicily distinctive in its celebration of the holidays? You know, we really enjoy Christmas time in Sicily because we have this big never-ending lunches and dinners. Of course, the dinner on Christmas night is very important. But I must say also that 
Christmas is a little bit different in Sicily than the rest of Italy. Right now, of course, it is changing, but I remember when I was a kid, the big day for a kid, it wasn't Christmas at all. You didn't get I, almost any kind of gift for Christmas, and neither for the Epiphany, which was a big deal until a few years ago in the rest of Italy. We were getting our gift during the nights of All Saints Day. All Be- Saints Day, that's November 1st, right? Yes, exactly. So on, on that night, between November the 1st and November the 2nd, according to tradition, all of the dead relatives in your family were coming to the house and leaving a lot, dozen of gifts. Small gift, but, you know, very interesting gift. All the dead relatives coming back and giving yeah. gifts? Yes, and they were if hiding. If you were good. If you were good. Yes, you were good. And, and they were hiding them all over the house. When I was a kid, it was I, I was waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning, at 4 o'clock in the morning on the on November the second, on the second, just to start this crazy search of the gift. Well, and tell me about that. You're five years old. It's, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. Yes, and you can wait. So you try, but of course, there's your mom on the other room <laughs> that is going to hear you, or sometimes most of the gifts, were hidden in your parents' bedroom. <laughs> so you couldn't just go there without, yes. without doing any noise. And it was so interesting. And there was always something left to find in a, in a, in a closet, in another room. Now, this downstairs. is different from Italy. I don't remember this in Italy. Yes, this yes, is sir. completely different. This is completely this. different because, uh, you know, they left, I mean, the death. They left, you know, toys, but in the same time, they left, you know, little cookies that we call uh, uh, scardellini or uh, ossa di morte. In know? some in some so, towns close to Palermo, they call moscardine. Moscardine, also, it's a kind of uh, cookies which is very hard. Ossa like, di, what was the other one you said? Ossa di morte morto means is, literally bones, bones of the dead. Of bones the of the dead. dead. You yes, get little sweets called the bones of the yeah, dead. So yes. you mm, eat the bones yummy. of the dead in your family because <laughs> yeah. it should You're be. You're eating the bones of your dead relatives. Yes. This was no. <laughs> no, of course. It should be <laughs> a kind of good, l- good, good luck. Yes. Uh, good luck. Sorry. So Sicilian cannibalism for the holidays. Absolutely. No, of course, they are cookies. But <laughs> cookies and marzipan. Marzipan, and of course. Marzipan. Yeah. Little so fruit marzipan. of marzipan. Okay, so that's the big festival for the children is having all of these gifts and candies on All Saints Day. Also, and the Epiphany, the six. Okay, so let's get the, the calendar straight. You got November 1st and 2nd. You got St. Nicholas Day is uh, December 6th, I think, mm-hmm. St. Nicholas Day. And then you've got Christmas, the 24th and the 25th. And then Epiphany, mm-hmm. the day the the wise men brought the gifts to the, the baby gift. Jesus. Yeah. I think that's the last of the 12 days of Christmas. And yeah. in Italy, is really into Epiphany, yes. la yes. Befana. And we la say, Befana, la Befana, tutte le feste porta, porta via. via. Epifania, tutte le feste, le feste porta via. That means Epiphany is the last holiday of the, the end of holiday the vacation. festivities <laughs> season. And uh, You've it had a big holiday takes season. away <laughs> all of the festivities. So it's a grand finale. Yes, we yes, have. Yes, exactly. Is the it grand a grand finale? finale? Yeah. Yes. This is what it is. The grand finale, exactly. And according to tradition, you should... Because, you know, we do the Christmas tree and the nativity. You yeah. should wrap everything up after the epiphany. Uh, January 7th. January the 7th. Everything, a, everything's yeah. gone. All of the Christmas decorations are gone. Yeah. Yes. So we begin with the Christmas decoration the 8th of December, the day of the Immaculate, which is very important for us. Okay. And we finish the 6th. The so day we of the Immaculate, yeah, immaculate the Conception. Mary. Immaculate yeah. Conception. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. The, so that's a couple of days after St. Nicholas's Day. December yes. 8th. So that's really when Christmas kicks into gear. Yes. Tell me about Christmas itself. It's uh, Christmas Eve, uh, Christmas Day. How in Sicily, traditionally, when you were a child, would you have celebrated that? You always have all the family members and relatives together in one house uh, just to have this never-ending uh, yeah. Christmas dinner. And uh, I remember in my family, we were always rotating the house. For example, if my parents did the Christmas dinner in my house, on the next year, another relative of the family would uh, host all of the... So you remember and you rotate. Yes, yes we rotate. rotate. For example, if we are in our one house in Christmas, if for the New Year's Eve, we will be in the other house. Okay. This is a sort of rotation. Huge meals, of course, especially fish. We eat lots of fish for Christmas, even from New Year's Eve. Well, in the area where I live, for example, codfish. This is the most important kind of food that we have for Christmas Eve. So important, smoked salmon, shrimps. I mean, How all big the a family gathering with this 
be the immediate family, the extended family? Extended family. Always we have a party of 20 to 25 people. Yeah. This is, you We're know, the number. about 20, 30. Yes, people. this is. So we have a huge table. We gather all together. We wait until midnight and then we go to the church about 11.30 and we wait for the birth of uh, the bambinello, you know, the, the little child. Bambinello. And that's, that would be at midnight. Would be at the, midnight the we go to the church and we ah. celebrate this. So this is uh, uh, Christmas. Uh, New Year's Eve is a little bit different, a little bit different because we wait until 11 o'clock so, um, and then we go to the discos, the younger of generation, course, yeah. of course. But sticking with Christmas, even though uh, in the United States, you know, Christmas Eve is when the most people go to church. Yes. So even people who don't go to church normally, most people will go to church at midnight on Christmas Eve. Yes, and if you are a kid, you don't have choice. You have to go. Yes. Otherwise, you upset mama. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to upset mama. Not at mama. all. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't want. Uh, don't forget that we are mama boys, so we must please our mama sometimes. <laughs> What's the Italian word for mama's boy? Mammoni. Mammoni. What does that mean? Mammoni, mama boys. I mean that we are the preferred of our mama, so our mamas, you know, prepare our food. She makes our laundry. It's a great way of living. So is this, I swear. Because <laughs> this is famous in Italy also, but I mean, in Sicily, there's still oh, is this the, is much more, you Even know. in the extreme, you have a strong umbilicone. Umbilicone. <laughs> <laughs> that is fun. Oh, I think you're right. The umbilical cord. I, I know one Italian right. word. Yes. So it's hard to cut that umbilicone. Well, you know, uh, our mamas, they always, they, I think they love us so much, probably too much, that they don't want that we leave the house. Absolutely So not. that means that you're going to have a kind of a close relationship with your mama because she is going to take care of you or what you eat or what you're going to dress or the laundry and things like that. And I must say that sometimes, you know, Sicilians, they really enjoy When you that. get married, there is a big competition between the mama and the wife. Don't Ooh. forget that. That's why the mom and the wife, you know, the wife should stay very, very far each other. Otherwise, we have always, you know, fight. So because can you imagine this poor <laughs> Sicilian man struggling between these two women. Yes, it's oh, a life problem. is tough. Life is so tough. Yes, wow. you can tell. Okay, so it's Christmas time, and uh, how do you say uh, Merry Christmas in Sicily? Buon Natale. Buon Natale. Mille grazie and Buon Natale. Buon Thank Natale. Thank you very much. In Australia, Christmas kicks off the summer. Coming up, we'll hear how Tony Wheeler from Lonely Planet observes the holiday from his home in Melbourne. And one of our listeners in Alabama wants some help planning a family Christmas in Paris. So my French friend Patrick Vidal will join us in a bit to help plan a holiday vacation in the City of Lights. Up next, we'll find out how the Christmas traditions are kept in Scotland, thanks to Highlander Ken Hanley and Anne Doig from Edinburgh. Glad you could come along as we celebrate an international Christmas on Travel with Rick Steves. Today on Travel with Rick Steves, it's an international celebration of Christmas and a few other related holidays as well. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Steves. We're getting all excited about Christmas, and we're going to go to Scotland just for a moment here. I have two Scottish guides with me, Anne Doig and Ken Hanley. And uh, Ken and Anne, Christmas is approaching how is Christmas special in Scotland? Well, in Edinburgh, it's very special because we have a Christmas festival. And in the gardens beneath the historic castle, there's a, an ice rink. There are big fairs, Christmas markets. All the trees have lights on them. The whole town is lit up. And it's a very special time. It didn't used to be in Scotland, but now it really is. It's a big festival in Edinburgh. Okay, now let's just talk not as tourists, but as five-year-old children. It's, mm. You're ready to go to bed on Christmas Eve. What happened this evening and what's going to happen tonight and tomorrow morning? Oh, well, in Scotland you hang up your, your tartan sock and you leave something for Santa Claus, some shortbread or some warm milk. You try and go to bed early if you're not too excited. And the next day when you're waking up, hopefully your stocking will be full of lots of presents. Uh-huh. And we tear into them right away. Unlike other countries, they have opened up their presents on Christmas Eve, but we open them up on Christmas Day. And then we have the big lunch. Presents are opened right away. 
and there's always a big mess and a big fuss, but it's it's a lovely time. So the children wake up and they go and they see what... They go straight through. And, and who comes in the middle of the night? What's his Santa name? Santa Claus. It's not yes. Father Christmas or anything. No. It's Santa Claus. Santa Claus. And, and Ken Hanley, how was your relationship with Santa Claus when you were a small child? I think it was absolutely excellent and still is, to be honest, Rick. Um, uh, my memories go back to times when, like most children... You can't even get to sleep because Santa's coming and you've put the, the milk out for the reindeers. And I was brought up always to leave a wee dram for Santa as well because he needed a wee whiskey to get him over the North Pole. And did he appreciate that? I think he did because the glass was eye empty. And the shortbread? Absolutely. And of course, in the morning we got down. And I'm talking in my youth, the big thing was that you had your big tartan sock and you had fruit and orange and things like that, you know. And as Anne says, you've got tore into it right away no messing in Scotland and Santa Claus has been he's delivered his sack he's got his presents and it's get into them well rip through your long tartan <laughs> sock with me right now it's a long time ago you're five years old it's a great morning what's in there pull it out one by oh, one you get in oranges that you know that you might sound strange but for us oranges was a great thing it was a great treat an apple a banana nuts special kind of nuts and that you know, nowadays you go nuts about computers and things like that, but we went nuts about fruit and all the simplistic things. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it was a tartan sock. Yeah. Always. Always had to be, in our house, always had to be a tartan sock. Your family tartan? Uh, yeah, or a national tartan, but at that time, usually a family tartan. Now, of course, Santa across cultures is a sort of a tool that parents use to keep their children nice, not naughty. I know you were always nice, but do you have some <laughs> naughty friends, and what would they find in their stocking? <laughs> Santa Claus sometimes came, and there might have been a big hole in the sock, <laughs> and that was the excuse. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> but I think, you know, I think children are the same the world over, and, and I think Scots are not any different. The expectation is high. And I think, you know, for that night, everybody behaves for Santa coming and everybody expects that uh, there's something nice in the tree or round the tree or in the tartan sock. Now, Anne, you said you got together with a big Christmas midday feast. Is that right? Yes, On Christmas right. Day, the 25th. Yes, that's right. Uh, traditionally, what would that include in Scotland? Well, it's the turkey and all the trimmings, Brussels sprouts, roast potatoes, mashed potatoes, roast parsnips, stuffing, chestnut stuffing, uh, you'd have a starter, perhaps soup, or used to be prong cocktail in the 70s. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then is there any traditional uh, sweet or dessert? Yes, we have the Christmas pudding with brandy sauce. And you like the Christmas pudding. In the old days, when my mother used to make her Christmas pudding, she would wrap up threepenny pieces, which are worth about four cents now. But that was a big excitement if you got... Well, threepence pieces? Yes. <laughs> oh, you had threepence coins. A Put silver, silver threepenny. Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. And that was very lucky, wrapped up in greaseproof paper. You wouldn't be allowed inside to do that. Your little, inside, inside your little pudding or something. Pudding, yes. Now, that sounds pretty English also. Are there differences in the uh, actual meal from England to Scotland traditionally? Not really, no. I think you would get more threatness in a Scottish cake. Than <laughs> <laughs> and what about the uh, holiday uh, drink? What would the adults look forward to at holiday time? I think time? it has whiskey. to be Ishkaba. 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 What's that? What's Ishkaba? Uh, means water of life. Whiskey. Ah, whiskey. Yeah. And as a child, what's the happiest Christmas song? <laughs> what's a happy song? Uh, is there like Up on the House, Stop, uh, Frosty the Snowman? Any, what, what would be a children's song in I Scotland? Jingle Bells. Jingle was Bells was a big uh, one. A big one for us in Scotland. And just on that, Rick, you know, I think the perception is that, that we don't or didn't have Christmas as a big thing in Scotland. But, and that's not the case. I don't know where that came from. But we do celebrate Christmas in Scotland just like anybody else. But somehow people seem to think that we go for New Year more. Mm. But with the typical canny Scots, we get two bites at the cherry. We have a wonderful Christmas and a fantastic New Year as well. <laughs> it sounds great. And our different cultures have different days that are big for Christmas. But in Scotland... What are the big days? Is it actually Christmas, Christmas Day. Eve and Christmas, Christmas Day? Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, yeah. yeah, yeah for sure. sure. Do you decorate the, the yards house. and the houses at the yes. holiday season? Yeah. How do you decorate them? With lights and baubles on the fresh Christmas trees and all the Christmas cards and yeah. dried fruits. and We tended to, I think, and be more... We didn't put things outside as much as they do today. I think that's very much an Americanism, if I can say that. So you drive down a street today in Edinburgh, you don't see a lot of decorations in the houses, but you step inside and you find a tree that's really decked out. Yeah. Yes. We do have them now outside, but uh, in general, I think if we're generalising and going back a little, it was always in the house. 
you know, they had the tree and then your decorations in the house as opposed to the, the show of the house outside. And does the mistletoe have any special oh. power in Scotland? Oh, Oops. yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to get a piece of mistletoe and carry it around with you because you have to kiss the person that's under the mistletoe. That's you have it, to. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> and it's legal to carry it around with you. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a must-have. Ken, give me your uh, best Merry Christmas in a Scottish brogue. Well, have a happy Christmas from Scotland or a Merry Crimble. Uh, or anything like that, but uh, in a Scottish accent in Glaswegian. Oh, gonna have a good Christmas, big man. See you. Aye, and the bairns and all. Tell all the Wayans to have a happy Christmas. Translate that for me. What did you say? Uh, it was saying, uh, well, you know, good evening, Rick, and uh, I'm wishing you a terribly Merry Christmas, and you could tell the same to the children. Say that again in Glaswegian. What a best big man for Glasgow. Have a happy Christmas. <laughs> you know, we're lucky in Scotland because we have these variants of the, you know, in Aberdeen they have this wonderful Dorothy thing, you know. Well, you'll be having a happy Christmas up there, aye. Santa might come if you're good. <laughs> and a tiny wee bit more refined in Edinburgh, I think, and you'd be better than that at me. Happy Christmas for Edinburgh, you know. Yeah. Uh, so you got the Edinburgh, you got the Glasgow, you got the Aberdeen, Aberdeen yeah, yeah, yeah. and all of Scotland. Well, thanks for joining us, and happy Christmas to you too also. Happy Christmas Same to you. you. Same to you, Rick, and your family. And who's the fat, old, jolly bloke with the long white beard and the bright red cloak will do his best to send us broke to Santa bloody clog? Who's going to make us destitute? Santa, Santa. Who's the man that parents love? Santa, Santa, cause his credit cards to overload. Santa bloody Claus. Well, we're thinking about Christmas, and we've invited Tony Wheeler to join us. Tony is the founder of Lonely Planet Publications. Tony's uh, published guidebooks for literally every corner of this planet, 400 different guidebooks, and Tony has spent a lot of Christmases overseas. Tony, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Think back on some Christmases you've had overseas. Uh, what sort of uh, cultural highlights and surprises have well, you enjoyed? Uh, funnily enough, um, I, I keep thinking of seafood when I, I think of Christmas. You know, certainly in, the, in England, Turkey, which I was born in England, Turkey is the Christmas meal, much like it's Turkey for Thanksgiving in the States. But um, in Australia, we, we, for many years, we've had a seafood barbecue in the back garden and had a lot of friends around. And it's, it's outside on the Christmas Eve. And we're, we're oh, eating it's the shrimps on the barbie thing. Shrimps on the barbie and lobster and oysters. And, um, but for, Christmas is hot in Australia, right? It's hot, so you're outside. Elementary, you know, so, there you go. Yeah. So Santa it's, Claus it's, has short pants. Sure, Santa Claus certainly does have short pants. And late night on Christmas Eve is what I really think of being the... And my kids would as well. That's what they'd really associate Christmas with. They'd associate with Christmas Eve outside and seafood. But also one of the best Christmases I ever had traveling was in Burma. This was a long time ago when there were very few tourists in Burma and the Raffles Hotel, which is the big fancy hotel, but very, very run down in those days. And we, we went to have dinner there the Christmas Day and we thought, how can we sort of try and do a Christmas dinner? And the only thing we could think of was, was lobster. It was sort of the nearest thing you could think of to a, a fancy Christmas meal. It was fun. Let's talk a practical travel tip here. You've got guidebooks that are covering the entire world. People often ask me, what should I do at Christmas? You know, I'm in this or that place, and I usually don't know because I've never been there on Christmas. Just in general, if somebody's exploring the world, what's, what's a good practical tip to enjoy Christmas away from home? I, I guess, you know, if you want to make something of it, this should be the day of the week that you have a fancy meal, that you do something that feels a little bit out of the way, a little bit Christmas-like. But it's remarkable how you can find little reminders of Christmas in the strangest places. I remember once I was in Kathmandu at Christmas, and we went into a shop, and we were looking around, and they had little little figures of the um, of the various Hindu gods. You could have a Vishnu or a Shiva or a, a Ganesh or whatever. And we looked at them, and we thought, they look like something you'd hang on a Christmas tree. And we sort of said this, and a, an assistant in the shop said, yes, you could hang them on a Christmas tree. So obviously somebody else had already suggested this, and this had become an idea. And for many years, our Christmas tree back at home did every year have a little figure of Ganesh and a little figure of Shiva and Vishnu hanging on the tree. And when you bring that up, it reminds me, you know, Christendom is Christendom, and that's just a minority of the planet. But uh, Christmas is something different. I Christmas mean, we, is different, yeah. You yeah, have Christmas it's, celebrated in Japan, and it's yeah, more like a party. It is, yeah. And, you know, not, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. I, mean, I think it's, it's taking a different perspective. It's on, a multicultural approach to Christmas. Yeah, yeah. In Japan, it's the big party. I know at uh, New Year's is more of the religious time, and in yeah. Japan, everybody's got their Christmas cakes. 
Yes, indeed. You, you're, on, you're packed under the subway. And then, you know, a month later in the Chinese part of the world, suddenly it's Chinese New Year is the, the celebration. I, I think we should, you know, enjoy every celebration we, we can take part in. They're all fun. And when you travel in the developing world, or what we'd call the third world, a lot of times I think there is more festive kind of color. In Bali, don't they say there's a festival every day? Just about, yeah. And the, and the year is shorter. The year is only 210 days. So the, the annual celebrations come around more regularly. So wherever you're traveling, you can be tuned in to the local festivities and embrace them with gusto. Yeah, and, you know, it can be all sorts of local things. It can be the local sport. I think, you know, if you go to some, any country, find out what the local sport is and see if you can catch an archery contest in uh, Bhutan, where archery is a national sport, or canoeing in, the, in Polynesia, where... I've seen outrigger canoes go so fast you could water ski behind them. That is a fundamental trick, is to get out of the museums and beyond the palaces and beyond the, the tour buses and actually become a temporary local person, whether it's going to a sporting event or getting into a home to celebrate a local holiday, if, if it happens to be Christmas or, or whatever, getting yourself intimate with the culture. Yeah. Tony Wheeler from Lonely Planet, thanks a lot. Merry Christmas. Thank you. One of our listeners, Brett, in Birmingham, Alabama, is planning a special family Christmas treat. So he wrote us asking for some advice on spending the holidays in Paris. So I've invited our French tour guide friend, Patrick Vidal, to join us and tell us how the heart of France celebrates Christmas in the big, bright city of Paris. So it's a good time to imagine Christmas in Paris, and we have Brett on the line in Birmingham, Alabama. Brett, Merry Christmas. Hi. Hi, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got a question about Christmas in Paris? Uh, yes. We were looking to spend some time in Paris around Christmas, and uh, we've got about two weeks all together. We'll probably be traveling by car and not just Paris, but really looking around Europe in general. We'll have our children who will be, let's see, seven and ten, wanted to see what you guys would recommend for good activities in Paris and beyond for Christmas time. Let's talk about that. It's Christmas in Paris, Patrick. What are your advice? Christmas in Paris. I think the, the, the specificity of Paris at Christmas is the lights around there. I would give a, a big priority, and I'm not a shopper. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a bit special to say that, but uh, I would send people to go to the uh, Grand Magasin, like the Galerie Lafayette, okay, the like the Printemps, depa- the big department store on the Haussmann Boulevard north of the Madeleine area there, where the lights are just... Amazing there. They put a lot of energy into their window displays. It's a big thing. The window displays are just great there. You just do window shopping, walk along the boulevard there, and it's just a, a visit on its own there. You don't need a guide there, and it works very well. And it's even more than just the window displays because all the Parisian people are out with their children. It's a multi generational family event. They have little stools, little step stools for the children, the short children to climb up so they can get a good to view. To be able of the to see it, yeah, yeah. It is a big, big thing, yeah. You've got some uh, special traditions in the bakeries? It's not really the bakeries. I mean, you got you got cakes around Christmas and things like that. The speciality you want to eat in Paris and in France when you're around for Christmas is called boudin blanc. What is boudin that? blanc is the what you call in English black pudding, but it's a white version of it there. And it's in France, you don't find it anything else than... At Christmas there. A white version of black pudding. Yes. It's strange to say black pudding because... black pudding, is that blood pudding? Yes. So in England, they have the blood pudding. Yes. And and the the white pudding... It's it's a white-colored blood pudding. No, no, it's not. This one is not made with blood. It's it's a a sausage type, very Ah, very simple sausage type there. But it it looks like black pudding, the same same consistency. They use the same name, but they call it the the white version there. Now, Brett's got a couple of weeks to travel. Are there other special days around Christmas that are festive for the French. In France, the festive day is the Eve, the Christmas Eve. Okay. That's where people are going out. It's a family event. You will find markets and the Christmas markets and things like that there. But that's but more Germany, isn't it? That's more Germany. That's more Western. It's, it's, it's coming in France. It's coming more and more, uh, but it's not the tradition. But there's a big meal, a big traditional meal. It's a big meal. There's even a name for this meal. It's the le, le réveillon. Le réveillon. Le réveillon. Yes. What does that mean? Réveillon, réveillon is the. Uh, it means the eve. Réveillon. Eve. The eve. The, okay. the, the night before the so event. So the evening there. feast before Jesus was born. Yes, it is there. And what is this meal? It's a, a, a big family occasion. It's a big family occasion. There is no, not too much of a tradition of what you should eat around it. There, there used to be the turkey a little bit like in like in England there. But now but, people uh, are breaking out of that. Yeah, yeah. You, it's not really really uh, written in stone what you what you should eat around that there. But it's 
a big, big thing there. Everybody's around, the family's around there. It, it lasted for quite a long time in the evening there. If the people are religious enough, they will go to what is called the Messe de Minuit, the Midnight Mass there. Which is fading apart as well. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a, it's not a big thing anymore uh, as much as it was as it was there. Put the kids to bed there, and in the morning they'll wake up to their Christmas presents around the around so the. So Santa Claus comes in the middle of the night, even in France. Even in France, yeah. And the kids get their stocking or whatever in the morning. No stockings. That's not the. Uh, no we, don't, we, we don't do the stocking thing. So there. where do they put the goodies? They put the goodies on the at the feet of the of the tree. Yeah. Ah, does Santa Claus come down the chimney? He comes down the chimney. Even in France. Even in France. Ah, does he eat milk and cookies? <laughs> no, no, no. We don't what? leave anything for him. Little wine. Uh, that would be a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but Santa Claus. And still a piece comes. of red. <laughs> if the kids are good, they get their their special goodies. And in Paris, you've got some wonderful wintertime ambiance. You've got skating in front of the city hall. You've got skating there. You've got. To, I mean, when I was talking about the lights uh, in front of the uh, department store, you've got lights everywhere. I mean, the the Rue Claire area that we uh, that we really like to spend time on there is all lit up, and it's a very very nice thing there. Walking down any street in Paris after five o'clock in the afternoon when the lights are up there, it's just a pleasure. It's are people a, in a good mood in France at Christmas time? I think oh, who's not in good mood around Christmas time? It's a beautiful time to be out. I mean, it's a good thing. For once, the Parisian can be in good mood. That's a good thing. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. And in France, you say at Christmas. Jo- uh, Joyeux Noël. Joyeux Noël. Joyeux Noël. Brett, I hope that gives you some ideas. It gives me a lot of ideas. I was taking notes as quickly as I could. Yeah, Joyeux Noël. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a Merry Christmas. I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Travel with Rick Steves is produced by Tim Tatton at Europe Through the Back Door in Edmonds, Washington. We also have help from Sarah McCormick, Andrew Wakeling, Robin Cronin, and Jonathan Lee, and our theme music is by Jerry Frank. Today's program included seasonal music excerpts from Ikimi, the Seattle Men's Chorus, Ryuichi Sakamoto, David Raintree, Phonema, Le Violon de Roy, Salsa Celtica, Tingstad and Rumble, and Bing Crosby. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Oh, bring us some figgy pudding, oh, bring us some figgy pudding, oh, bring us some figgy pudding and bring it out here. You can tell us about your holiday traditions in our radio message board. It's in the radio section of our website at ricksteves.com. Peace to you and yours from all of us at Travel with Rick Steves. Rick Steves has spent a third of his adult life in Europe, researching and writing guidebooks. His now classic, Europe Through the Back Door, teaches the skills of smart travel. His Europe 101, History and Art for Travelers, and his new Travel as a Political Act books deal with a higher set of road skills. And his country and city guidebooks cover every corner of Europe. To learn more about Rick's books, visit the Travel Store at ricksteves.com.